Okay, well, we're continuing in 1 Corinthians today. So if you have your Bibles and want to follow along, we're in 1 Corinthians at the end of chapter 3, and we're going into chapter... Uh, we're going into chapter 4. You know, one of the things that happens to you and me is that, well, I'll put it this way, it happened with the Corinthian church too. We've tasted the gospel. We've tasted how amazing it is, and we, we put our trust in Jesus Christ. We believe him. We believe in him. We, we have faith in Jesus. The Corinthian church was there too. Paul calls them saints. And yet, in the midst of that, they were in incredible division. They were fighting. They were doing things Paul didn't agree with. They were not being who they ought to be. There was a disconnect between sometimes the, the things they were supposed to do and, and what they were doing. So it's, it's, a, it's a break between understanding the gospel in a, in a way with your head, in a way with I, I trust in Jesus, and then understanding how it plays out. And one of the ways particularly that happens is how you see yourself. So I'm calling this valuing yourself this morning because that's what Paul's talking about. In our society, often we talk about self-esteem. It's a big catchphrase probably 20 years ago, but we still talk about it today. Um, you know, through, through history, people say that the worst things that happen in the world, the evil and the sin that happens, because people have too high an esteem of themselves. They call it pride. More recently in our setting, in our society, we say people have too low a view of themselves. That's low self-esteem. I would say either one of those things is actually pride. We can talk about why today from Paul. And not understanding what the gospel is, what the, the actual statement of Jesus Christ is about us. Where we're about our value. So what I'm hoping we talk about today is, is pride and humility. But within that, you just say pride, and I think, oh, arrogance and things that are wrong and things like that, and, and, and I don't see it as a valuation of myself. We talk about humility around here, and it's very easy in our setting where we talk about how much of a sinners, how much of a sinner we all are, to think we're just supposed to grovel, and that, and that what it means to be a Christian is just to call yourself a worm and to kind of grovel on the floor and do nothing and hope Jesus picks us up like a little grub. Oh, I love you, little grub. And take us away. So sometimes what gets lost in our setting is a proper valuation of yourself. How should you think of the value you have as a Christian, as a being, even in your own estimation? So what's your self-esteem today? How do you value yourself is what we're trying to do. And, and to do that, we need to, to hear what Paul says about in this passage where he actually hits on it that you and I think about how to get through this, how to actually walk away today valuing yourself rightly that will empower you to live a life connected to the gospel. So walk through it. First, I want to see your stated value. And Paul does this. He, he starts there at the end of chapter 3, and he's in the midst of talking about divisions. He's kind of wrapping it up. This is his summary statement as he finishes in chapter 4, which we'll go to 4 verse 7. But he, he's, he's in the midst of his argument, and he says this in verse 21. So let no one boast in man. 
And you see what, what Paul is, is doing in his argument spin is that, hey, Apollos is nothing and Paul is nothing. It's always God who gives the increase. And, and, and he's talked about God being the, the worker, really, and them just being servants. He's talked about how, how, how we're God's field and we're God's building and he's, he's working on us. So his statement is, don't boast in men. Now, you hear boasting, and he's going to say it in a similar way in verse 6. He's going to say, so let no one be, be puffed up in regard to one person or another. It's not so much that they were saying, okay, well, we're prideful people. They were feeling the need to leverage the people that they knew. So it wasn't that they were saying, oh, it's so nice that I get to know who Paul is, and I've met him, and boy, he came and founded our church. What an amazing thing that I know him. They were saying things like, I know Paul, so listen to me. I got taught by Apollos. He, he's an amazing teacher. I got the better stuff. Listen to me. And it's that flavor in which he says, wait, there's not to be, don't be puffed up. That's a puffed upness that really says more about you than about the teacher. right? So what he's going after. It's the essential pride that people get where they feel like they have to leverage. They feel like they have to, dare I say, compete. And unless you think this is some problem from far away, this is the natural state, I believe, of the human ego. We naturally go here. We want to be valued. We do. I want other people to value me, and so I look for ways in which that might happen. Tim Keller's good. He calls this, he's, he sets out this four things that this puffed up. It's a strange word. Paul only uses it here in, in Corinthians one time in Colossians, but six times here in 1 Corinthians and well, in second. And this idea that, that this is the natural state of the egos, we're puffed up, is we have this tendency to be like an empty bellows. That's the word. Full of hot air. But really the idea is, is that it's overinflated. It doesn't see things rightly. But it's It's, it's empty. Because it's not oriented on God, it's about ourselves. We focus on ourselves naturally. It's fragile because, you know, because there's not much there, you're always worried that it might collapse. It's oriented on the wrong stuff. So the idea is, is we're this way. So well, I'm not like that. I'm grounded. I'm good. Yeah, but look at your own life for a minute and think about Think about our own need to be loved, to be valued. Think about when you really care about something. Say you really care about a job promotion and somebody else gets it. Say you really are working hard and somebody comes up to you and says, you slacker. Say you've, you've, you've struggled, all, all worked so hard on an athletic competition and you, you think you've got a chance to win and you come in ninth. Ninth being particularly bad. <laughs> Think about your life, about how you long for somebody, your kids to appreciate you or, 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 your, or your parents to affirm you or, or whatever that is. We've got these things, you see, where, where we have the idea that I, I need to, to have people value me. It's a natural state. And Paul Paul's here is saying, hey, watch out. Don't, don't take that from people. Don't use levers on people. Like, this is not a good thing that you feel like you need to leverage your connections in order to get your standing higher. 
He goes on to say this, this, because right in the midst of this, then he gives this amazing truth bomb. This really is the, this really is the point, but it comes so early. I have to give it to you early. Here it is. This is an amazing statement in the midst of your natural state being that you need to be over here. And the Corinthians are over here. Though they know Jesus, they're trying to lever and make sure they're valued. He says this. He says, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Paulos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. We got to just soak in that for a minute. Soak in that for your own life right now for just a minute. You take this in. He's talking to you. Talking to the church. That's a plural. And he says, all things are yours. Do you really think all things are yours? Paul who comes and tries to teach. Apollos who comes and tries to teach. Peter who might come and teach. Or the whole world. Or life itself. Or death and the, the, the connection and, and Jesus and his death for you. Or, or, or the present right now. Oh, it's yours. Or the future. All things yours. And, and then he says, I think it's almost a because. Because... You are Christ. Oh, I am. And Christ is God's. God made it all. I just imagine Paul, mic drop. That's it. That's the reality of your life right now. Nothing about anything you've done. He's just saying, you are. He's saying it to a group of people who are bickering and fighting. He's saying it to a group of people who are, who, who, who are, have adultery in their midst and incest in their midst. He's saying it to people who aren't doing communion right. Mic drop, you're Christ's. Whoa. I love this. I can just sit right there and I do and I pray through this and I meditate on it and I get excited about it. And then I just sort of go, okay, what's next? Because it doesn't hit my life. It doesn't connect. I, this is like the gospel in some ways. This is the gospel. You're Christ's. You're, Jesus Christ has you. He won't let you go. And, and therefore, everything is yours. I should be so excited. And yet I'm not. That's great, Dax, but here comes Monday. And my world just goes back to how it always is. I go back to try to strive for value for myself again. That's because, and I'm glad Paul doesn't stop. He's not done. He, he describes how this plays out, that you're Christ's, that this is true, that this is our treasure, that we're so taken care of, that there we are. And he does that going into chapter 4. So he says first, he says in verse 1, this is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required of stewards that they be found faithful. Okay, so he starts off with this statement, and it's a good one. He just says, hey, as far as I go, as far as anyone who is serving, we should be seen as servants, slaves, just serve. And, and, and really the idea is we're, we're trying to show you the mysteries of God, and usually the mysteries of God for Paul surrounds the idea that Gentiles are in the church, that you're saved. We just need to be faithful to what God has said about this amazing value that you have. Just think of us like that, he says. See, he's setting something up, and it's this piece here. He's showing for himself. He says, but with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you 
or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Okay, Paul's telling us what's good and what he's doing right. But what he's describing and why he says this is because he knows they're in a state, in a crippling condition, that are not getting it right. I dare say we're over here, we're not with Paul. So what is it, as he says this, what is it? Because he says, what with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you. So think about it. Think about it in your state, in your Christian life, and, and in your self-esteem, how you view yourself, how you value yourself. When someone judges you. Have you ever been judged? I mean, your heart was to do this, and someone comes and says, I oh, man, look at you, you're so bad. Your motives are wrong. I don't like you. I like what you're doing. You're not a good Christian. How could you be doing this? Maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. We don't even know. We just know here's somebody coming at you, and they're coming at you with a statement. You know, my first thing to do to do is what? Hopefully you're not like me, but you probably are. <laughs> Defense time. No, you don't understand. Here's my motive. Here's my thing. You don't judge me. I'm going to fight back. I'm going to tell you I am good, not I'm bad. I'm not going to agree with you. No way. Because you don't understand me. You're judging me. I hate it. You see that someone would judge me. It takes away from my own self-value if I take it in. So I fight back. The way that you fight low, a, a push towards your self-esteem, is to go towards esteeming yourself. And in fact, that's, that's where people push you, in psychology even. In the medical field, here I am a product of, of, of medicine. You, someone comes in and they feel very low because people are attacking them. What do you do? You build up their esteem. How do you do it? You tell them, don't listen to those people. You're strong. You're good. They don't understand you. What am I doing? I'm building you up. There's value to that, right? Because if they were attacking you, maybe it was right, maybe it was wrong. I don't know. It doesn't matter. You're not functioning well. I'm going to try and make you feel better. How do we do it? I build you up. Let's get you out of your low esteem and give you high esteem. How do I do it? Don't listen to them. So you need to see yourself as strong, as beautiful, as amazing. You need to have higher self-esteem. You could say that if you just read this first thing, um, you, you could go there with, Paul. Oh, look, hey, I find it in the Bible. Look, 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 look. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. What's he saying? I don't care what you think. No, 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 boo, boo. I've got, I'm strong. I, it doesn't matter what you guys think. I don't care to me what you guys think. So he's lowering his view of what other people are thinking of him. Isn't that true? Yeah, and the verdict, in the verdict you're going you're to put on me is not touching my own sense of self-worth, my own sense of identity. Whatever you're pushing at me doesn't change how I think of me at all, says Paul. I want to know how he gets there. Because honestly, I don't know many people like this. If I come at you and I'm your pastor and I start talking to you, I can probably get you mad at me. You think I'm tearing you down. I poke into your life. Why? Because it's not comfortable. I want to self-defend. Most of you won't say, I don't care. Come and call me out on sin. I don't care. 
I don't care judgment of me. I'm totally okay. Paul is. But I think what the answer is, is he's going to say, because Paul is so grounded with a high self-esteem. Do you know why? Because he's the apostle. In my head, why I think he's writing this is I think he's doing something like this. That he's doing something like, I don't care what you think of me. I stinking founded this church. All of you guys know Jesus because I'm the apostle. I met with Jesus on the Damascus Road. Why would I care about what you think? I think where he's going is to a high view of himself. A high self-esteem, right? But look at what the Bible actually says. He doesn't do that. But with me, it's a very small thing. I should be judged by you or by any human court. I kind of get that. We maybe need to explore what a, why he puts a courtroom scene in here. But in fact, he says, I don't even judge myself. Uh-oh. My whole paradigm for how I normally act is going out the window. Because normally what I would do is I would try and say, okay, I'm building myself up. I need to have a good view of me. I need to list out all the good stuff I do, and, and I'm going to raise up my bar of how I am. And then Paul says, I don't even do that. I don't judge myself one way or the other, right? This is radical, you guys, because it's so outside what every single psychologist, what every single, even our normal thinking, is to do about how we function, you and I, and daily living. Daily living to you and me is building up ourselves and trying to help ourselves understand and feel good. And Paul says, I don't even judge myself. How can this be? You know, this does mean that as he goes through life and as he's taking actions, he's not passing judgment in either sense, either verdict on anything that he's doing. This should cause discomfort for us. I hope it causes discomfort for you because this is a radical thing to start thinking about. Keep going with me. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It's the Lord who judges me. What's he saying? He's saying about himself, and as he, he lives his life and things happen, as he does things, he's he, he, he not judging himself, but that doesn't mean he's saying, <laughs> do anything. He says, my conscience, literally that's what this means, he says, my conscience is, is clean. I'm not aware of anything against myself. That, that, that I'm not saying I'm trying to justify my sin, he says by not judging myself. So I'm not off in the corner saying, I don't want anyone to see me, and I'm not going to judge myself. I'm just going to sin over here in the corner. No, actually, what he says is, is I, I don't know of anything against me. But that's not the reason I think I'm okay. This is huge. Because I'll tell you what, in our normal crippled condition, that's precisely why I think I'm okay. Precisely why I think I'm okay is that I can't find any sin in my life that condemns me. Usually that means I'm not using very good glasses. I do my very best not to look. But in some sort of vast, overarching way, I kind of say, you know what? I'm pretty good. I haven't committed adultery the past week. I haven't stolen anything. You know, some other guys are having trouble doing drugs. Not me. You know, in fact, I do my very best to keep my friends and to talk to people and to reach out to people. All the things you do and you say, man, all those things, I'm, I'm okay. See, I don't know of anything against me. Therefore, I feel pretty good this week. 
And the next week, if you knew something was against you, your conscience was condemning you like you did something poorly, then you could say, well, you know what? My esteem is going down because I'm judging and valuing myself. Paul says, I don't even do that. Even though I'm over here, apostle to the Gentiles, I'm not saying I'm, I'm sitting this moment. Of course, you know what he says, right? Radical. Think it's in First Timothy? I am the chief of sinners. He's not lying. He knows he sins. He knows he has moral failings. He knows he has things he doesn't do right. He's not saying, I'm minimizing my sin, and that's what makes me have good standing. That's what makes me get blessing from God. Hey, I did the good things, therefore God... No, this is precisely what he's not saying. My value, my, my, my identity, who I am. It's my, I'm not aware of anything against me, but that's not why I think I walk around in a healthy value of myself. It's the Lord who judges me. I realize there is a judge, and he's the Lord. I know a few other things about the Lord. When you see Lord there, what do you think? Mostly I think what we think, you and I, is God the Father, the judge. But when we see Lord, we should think Jesus. It's Jesus who judges. That's going to get us towards a solution, but we're not there yet. I want to make sure we finish, so let's, let's go. Therefore, he says, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. And in talking about our condition, this is what we're prone to do all the time, is to enter into judgment now and quickly. We're prone to come in and say, I'm passing judgment on you, and, and, and we'll take something that's real or not real. It doesn't matter. We, it's, it's that it's presumptuous. We're not the judge. Jesus is. And it's coming, Paul says. Hey, we're not going to pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes. We'll bring to light the things now hidden in darkness. It will come to light, but, but you're allowing it to affect how you think you're valued right now. This is a big deal. Don't do it, he says. There's a commendation from God. Yeah, we just went through that last week. We talked about rewards, how in the day everything's revealed. You get to see where the Holy Spirit used you and what fruit you had. You'll get to see where you yourself were doing stuff for your own benefit. That stuff will burn, and, and, and you'll get to see it. You'll know. I think everybody will know. And well, then we'll head into heaven together. It'll be fantastic. I can't wait. But it's not that I can't wait because I've got so many good works, and you guys have so many, few. I think we're all going to have really neat good works that the Lord's done through us. <laughs> the Lord, full of grace, has prepared works for us. The problem is the judging before and even of myself, and you see, this is where it really comes in, because the issue for you and me is how we regard ourselves. This isn't really, at the end of the day, as far as helping us. Yeah, it's important that we're not looking at others, but Paul's whole piece is not to boast. He's talking about your own heart and your own leveraging of other people and how you see yourself. You don't need to do it. Why? Because you've got a different kind of value. You're valued. There's this supernatural solution, you see. There is. He gets toward it here in verse 6. He says, I've applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. So there's that same piece. We, we want to have a 
church of judging, of determining, of valuing different people differently. And Paul uses that word, and they're, they're just, they're translating it as puffed up. It's the bellows thing, you know? Overinflated egos. We think what we need is to, is to, with this system, and usually it's a system of rules and regulations that we say are from God to try and evaluate the value you and I have in accomplishing those things, and that will give us our value meter. How approved you are. And, and so week by week, it might go up or down based on how you think about yourself. And Paul says, I don't want you to do that. And the reason why I'm even talking about this is because I don't want you to do it. I, I don't want you to be in that system. I don't want you to have that value. I, I don't want you to work on, man, you've got low self-esteem to try and build yourself up to feel better by your linkage to Paul or by your fill in the blank. That you might see yourself better to judge yourself better, what he wants you to do is to stop judging yourself. Right? Other people too. And and, and to me, this is the move that we're making then. It's not a highest self-esteem, low self-esteem. Those are the same sort of stuff. It's self, right? It's self-oriented. It's arranged around yourself and inward looking and outward looking to be competitive because that's where it goes. So there you are and that Model And Paul says, let's call that whole thing pride. Let's call off the map, and let's go off the map, you and me, and go over here to something called humility. And humility, then, isn't about high self-esteem or low self-esteem. It's not about self-esteem at all. It's about self-forgetfulness. It's about forgetting you. You're not on the scale. You're off the grid. I don't mean electricity. I mean evaluation. God's going to evaluate you, evaluate you at the end. That's for certain. But he says this. He says in verse 7, For who sees anything different in you? Who, who's distinguishing? What do you have, he says, if there is something different in you, that it's, boy, you're a Christian now, look at all the difference in you. Anything you have, what is you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, that means it was a gift, right? It's not because of the esteem of you in your great work. If you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? You know, he's getting out, he's getting out the way that we in our egos, we have to do this, we've got to distinguish, we've got to make it up and down, we've got to have a ladder marking, we've got to judge each other. He says, what in the world are you doing? What do you have that you didn't receive? And, and, and then going back to his conscience being clean in this court, he's looking for a verdict. And he's looking for the verdict that's going to be on you or me. And he eventually says, hey, right there, right? The person who's passing that verdict is the Lord. Jesus. And then I start thinking, how is this supernatural? How will my identity be shaped today? Is it going to be shaped by me looking at my actions and trying to grow myself from too low of an esteem of me to a higher esteem of me based on the things I do in my life? Is it going to be about me trying to work on getting to a lower esteem by, by, by doing things that I think are, are, are self-abasing? Works of humility in my mind. 
Or am I thinking that the whole ball of wax for me is in the coming judgment of the Lord? My value is what we, he said back at the end of chapter 3. I am Christ's, and Christ is God's. Not I might be Christ if I stick around and do good things. Not I hope to be Christ. Not in the future I'll be Christ. Not if I develop my, my great life I'll be Christ. But the verdict is in. I am Christ's. Oh, isn't that the gospel right today? Isn't the gospel that Jesus Christ came because he loved you and me and he came to earth and he died on that hill and he went to the grave and the grave couldn't hold him and he rose from the dead, but he did all that for me. And he says, whoever loves me, I got you. The verdict's already in. Uh, let me unpack that in this setting. You're valued. What's your value? Jesus adores me. How do I know? The gospel? He died for me? He says if I trust him, he adores me. That's my value. End stop period. That will be my judgment. That's my faith. If the judgment's going to be that I get to heaven, God says, okay, let's go ahead and judge you, Dax. Jesus, what do you think? Do you think it's going to be? Well, on the self-esteem marker, Dax said these things, and here's his work evaluation. Here's his report card. No, the whole gospel is it's meritless. It's the gift of Christ. Christ comes in and says, yeah, this one's mine. Boy, what a little faith he had. But I gave it to you, kid. You didn't have anything you didn't receive. I know the verdict. You know the verdict. So that means on your very worst day and on your very best day. That means when things are falling apart and you're tempted by the world to think you're devalued, you have value. It means when you puffed up and think, man, I'm just golden. Look at all these great things that I get. I wonder if I have golden fingers. The idea is no, you have no fingers. You don't have anything that you didn't receive. There's a wonder to your life that gives stability, that gives peace in every situation. Why? Because you're loved by the king. That's the value you want. You don't have to judge people and get in the competitive race. But by the way, you can. This is so rare. But I see it sometimes, and when I do, I just rejoice, even in my own heart, where I'm competing and using my body to its extent, and I'm, I'm excited about it, and I was a competitor, I was an athlete, but I don't win. I can rejoice for the guy who won. Say, wow, we really pushed our bodies to the limit, and that was amazing. Didn't God make cool bodies? You were like 10 minutes faster than me, but that's cool. <laughs> we don't. You say, well, how can I make it so I'm 10 minutes faster? But instead, we start to see and, and value how God is working in all of us in different ways and the ways and the beauty that we get to see. And it's not about then, therefore, I'm, I'm getting lower on the esteem or I have to doubt myself. I continue to find my value in Christ. The only way I do this is to see the love of Christ for me. The only way I do this is the gospel. That's why I said this is supernatural. You get to this point in, in, in this amazing verse in Romans 8 where Paul's talking about what a crazy sinner he is and he doesn't want to be, but he is. And then he says this, there's therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He doesn't just mean that you, you can't condemn me. He means that in Christ Jesus, God doesn't condemn me. Do you see the judgment's in? Do you see that you're valued? If you would hold that in your heart and get there, I'm telling you, your life will be different. 
Let's do it.